0: Hey everybody, this is Tim. Before we get started with the interview about Gran Turismo, I wanted to remind you all that we are still in the window for listener submissions for our upcoming crowdsource Favorite Field Recording Stories episode. You have until November 19th, 2023 to dig up a recording you have made that you really love and tell us the story behind it. You can go to ToneBendersPodcast.com and click on Field Recording Story Submissions at the top of the main page, to find out all the details on how to submit. The sound you are hearing right now is one of the sounds that has already been sent our way, and the tale behind how it was created is really kind of mind-blowing. So if you have a funny, beautiful, personally meaningful, or special in any way recording, please send it our way. Okay, let's get on to the episode. Welcome to Tonebender's Sound Design Podcast, where we talk with the sonic artists behind our favorite films, games, and series. My name is Tim Meerhead and I will be your host today. I'm sitting in Stage A at 424 Post in Hollywood with some of the sound crew from the recent Neil Blumkamp film, Gran Turismo, based on a true story. This film, which is available now on digital and will be out on 4K Blu-ray and DVD on November 7th, poses a massive challenge for the sound team as our main character goes from racing in games to real cars, all the way up the ladder to Le Mans. Many different types of cars are raced, and the sound design for each race is unique and super exciting. With us today we have the film's co-supervising sound editors, Aaron Oakley and Kami Asgar. It's great to welcome you both to the show, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We also have one of the film's re-recording mixers, Bo Borders. I'm happy to meet you, Bo. Uh, on this film, you were on the faders for SFX while Kevin O'Connell handled the dialogue of music. Is that, that correct? That is all true. Excellent. So the director of this film, uh, Neil Blumkamp, rose to prominence when he directed the film District 9. Yes. That film is known for its sound. It has one of the most amazing soundtracks that I've ever heard. Uh, so I'm guessing that for him, he puts a lot of importance on the sound of a film.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Correct.
0: How does he convey that to you? What, what were the expectations put on you when you started on the film?
2: I mean, right out of the gate. He's, uh, he's so enthusiastic. He's so into it. I have some friends in New Zealand that actually did the sound design for District Nine, so I called them and um all they just conveyed to me was just anger and jealousy that they didn't get to work for him again because <laughs> he's such a cool collaborative guy um but yeah he's a you know he's a big car guy I'm a big car guy, but we come at it from different kind of points of view. he likes to see the cars, he likes, he he knows the stats of the cars, he's into the beauty of the cars. I don't care about any of that, I just want to drive them. Um, so that kind of helped uh, for, for my contribution of the movie for sure. But yeah, he uh, just, right out of the gate, he's just, he was really, really enthusiastic.
1: Yeah. And one of the big things was, uh, when I saw that Neil's directing this movie, Gran Turismo, we all played the video game growing up. Uh, none of us really had any idea what the movie was going to be about. It's got Neil. It's cars. Yes, we want to do it. And I'm, you know, it's like, hey, we want Bo because he's a race car driver. Immediately, he's like, yes, this is that's the way I wanted to go. Kevin is a huge car nut. Mm-hmm. Aaron is a huge motorsport car nut and, and you know and motorcycles and all that. And you know, and I used to manage an off-road racing team, and it's like it's my little passion since I was a kid to be involved with cars, and so it just all seemed to fall into place. And we sit and meet with Neil. And Neil's a huge car nut, you know. And he, huge. <laughs> we sat and talked the first time. I think we sat together after watching the movie. We barely talked about sound. We just talked about cars. We just talked about cars. Different cars, what's in the movie. Oh, man, it's, you know, that AMG that's in there. Like, oh, I love that car. And we just talked cars. And we walked away, like, knowing that we were, all, we we're all on board. We we're going to do the best job possible to, you know, put it on the screen.
2: Yeah, it was kind of funny. I um I didn't even know if I officially had the job yet. <laughs> like Kami said, John Navarro kind of put together this uh, uh, car enthusiast team that he you know thought would you know bring something to the table. I had a long relationship with Colby Parker, the um, the picture editor. They said, "Well, here's the script, read it, and then come on in, check out the movie, and then meet Neil." I had just competed in a touring car race up in Northern California, so it was kind of fresh on the brain. And the thing that struck me about the script we as a team uh, 424 post and kevin and i we, we actually already just did a video game we uh, video game movie we did uncharted that movie never acknowledges that it's in the world of a video game You know, that's just a standalone movie. Gran Turismo had this whole different arc to it where you really acknowledge the existence of the video game and you tell this true story about, you know, somebody competing on a very high level and then, you know, you end up graduating into real cars. I raced with guys that went to GT Academy and Jan beat them. And that's why he got to go racing and they didn't. It was already pretty close to home. And then when I watched the movie, the rough cut of the movie, I realized that the, you know, the point of view of the movie is very much in the driver's head. All throughout, even in the video game part of it, all throughout every level of racing that Jan does, you know, you're always like really in the cockpit with the car, with the with the driver. And so when I met Neil, I just blurted out this thing where I said, um, you know, this funny thing always happens where, um, you know, while... I'm behind the wheel of a race car, whether sure, it's I'm a, just going to stop yeah, for yeah, yeah. A For people yeah. who
0: don't know, like, you literally race cars. You're oh, not yes. talking about no. f- like I mean, driving on the Sunday afternoon. he's a professional racer. Yeah.
2: yeah. but was
1: a professional racer.
2: I've been training for this film for a long time. <laughs> my, <laughs> and you uh, got the part. <laughs> yeah, my, my father always raced cars growing up. Um, I've been driving race cars since I was, I think, 21 or 22. It's the n- number one thing that I do outside of... Doing you know sound for movies. I'm at the racetrack quite a lot, um, and I race. Um, you know I'm kind of like the level of like a minor league baseball player in the world of racing. So not to go on and on about it, but you know, just for the audience. That's, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I yeah, just wanted to
0: give some context. Google so, me, sorry me for you'll yeah. <laughs> we, we
2: we do lots of car racing, and it's and it's on a very similar level of what Jan does in this film. So. Um, it's a thing that I'm really excited about and I always try to keep my mouth shut on Monday morning, especially if I've been racing all weekend because, you know, unless I'm working with Kami, nobody really wants to talk about it, <laughs> but it's been and, that and, and thing. And that, I want to watch the yeah, videos. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, dude, that's
3: awesome. Kami yeah.
2: and I have been bonding, we bonded over car racing like 20 years ago. You, and you, you
3: have videos of almost all your races. Don't you oh, video absolutely. every race? yeah. absolutely. So we get and to actually, watch them down.
2: And to Aaron's point, you know, when I'm behind the wheel, I'm convinced that the thing that I'm going through is so exciting and so overwhelming and so wild and I can hear every rattle and I can hear the wind whistling through the car I can hear the other car and when they pick up a gear and like oh he upshifted a little bit sooner than me where's he at the power band I can hear them lifting off the throttle and so that I know to hit the brakes a tiny bit later and maybe I won't crash maybe I will and then, you know, later, and I'm, I'm, I'm so convinced that because I have, I'm recording this, I know that this footage is incredible. <laughs> and then the car race is over and the adrenaline wears off and the footage is never as incredible. You know, it's never as exciting. It doesn't sound as cool. It doesn't look as cool. It's not as wild as what was going on in my brain. So my pitch to Neil was, I want to work with four two four post and Kevin O'Connell and you know Gary Hecker, the Foley guy, I want to work with everybody and I want to I want to create the thing that was in my head and not the thing that was on my little video camera after the race. And he was just like, ah, that's disgustingly awesome, which is a thing that he likes to say a lot. Yes, and lot. Uh, and he just really gave us all full reign, so we were able to collaborate with uh, Charles Deenan at uh, Source Sound, who you know for those in the, you know in the uh, in the audio world, he's the go to guy. For Cars and um, and you know their team um, uh, really really delivered on car recordings. That was really
1: really they gave us such great stuff to work with. It's and, been so and that, fun. Uh, that goes back to John Avier, who's a huge car nut himself too. The rest of the studio isn't. You know they, you know, it, they're filmmakers and and studio execs and stuff. And you know they budgeted this movie a certain way, uh, like any other kind of an action film there was barely any recording budget up for cars. And this stuff doesn't, you know, the things that we hear in our head and how it should sound just does not exist in any libraries. So, you know, bringing on Charles, I'm like, oh, well, Charles has got a huge library. That's all, all he does is cars. And, you know, first phone call, Charles calls up, him, hey, uh, so about the cars, we don't have any of these cars. If you wanted to sound real, we have to go out and record all this stuff. We nickel and dimed our way in, like, just, like, little by little, just kept pushing John, like, hey, John Nevera at Sony, hey, we need to record this car, we need to record that car. That was a giant, giant expense that they had to swallow, and they ultimately gave us the money to go out and find race cars. It's not easy. I can tell you that. I mean, it, it took us a lot of string pulling and calling people and getting Nissan involved and getting you know race car drivers out there to give us active race cars during the season at a airport in England in the you know the desert out here and in Palm Springs and whatever wherever we they we can just get people to go because you can't really record it at racetracks. There's too much sound going on. We need a quiet. We need to get the sounds we need to get for these cars to get that visceral sound from that actual race car. That Nissan has a specific sound. If I remember the first time I jumped in a race car, and I'm sure you felt the same way too, being a you know, gearhead and all that. We fixed up cars, and then you're, you're sitting in a professional race car, and you click that motor on, and that thing comes to life. It's... Insanity. <laughs> you feel the raw power of this thing, and and that's the thing I want people to understand that it's not just oh, it's some regular street thing. It has balls. It really just really moves you and and has you know total visceral effect on you. And we need to we need to capture that. And Charles Deanan's crew is insane they're insane they're the magicians of the stuff they know exactly where to put all the mics and how to do it and you know and they have a day with this race car on a on an airfield there's plane there's actually one of the plane a plane crashed while we were trying to record a car and we had to stop recording because of some plane crashed you know the guy lost his nose wheel and we lost a half a day because of that because the fire trucks show up and we're like standing standing on the sidelines costing money every minute is costing because there's you know, a race car that we're paying for, the gas, the tires, the crew, the driver. It's a big production and they have to truck this stuff in. It can't come come back the next day. But those guys got exactly what we needed because anytime we, you know, me and Bo are sitting there and Bo goes, you know, it'd be really cool here is if we actually did a downshift rather than an upshift, we had that stuff. You know, they had recorded everything that we wanted. And if something that they cut that we wanted to change, all we had to do is just pull it out a little bit and move it and go, oh, it's all all there. We didn't have to, you know, go, oh, well, we'll just have to go with the best possible. Everything was done amazingly well by Charles and uh, the SoundSource crew are geniuses.
3: You know, to go back to what Bo was saying about talking to Neil and bringing the realism, because when he'd watch his videos back, they were very flat, and he wanted to bring the life to everything— the one good thing that he did bring it which was awesome was that he gave us his recordings and we would hear this guy talking in his ear and colby fell in love with it and so we started using his recordings and putting that in and then neil fell in love because neil loved all the squawks and he loved everything you didn't need to hear exactly what was saying, being said because even like beau said you don't really clearly hear right what the guys are saying you can but you're
1: in your helmet in All in your the helmet there's so and... much going
3: on um but for as an audience member you're not going to really hear and neil didn't care what they were saying but because of what he did, we were able to hire a real spotter and he came in for the loop group and he gave all, we had two spotters that actually gave all the dialogue for all the races and we put them in and Bo helped us get the right level, the right placement, and every once in a while you'll hear a little word that peaks that makes sense, like look to your left or You're, like, behind you or five feet, 50 feet, and it was, it was very cool.
2: I thought that was a really uh, a really fun bonding moment with the crew. I mean, you know, like Kami and I were saying, like we can just babble about car racing all day long because we love it. But not everybody wants to talk about car racing all day long. Well, now we're on a race car movie and you have to talk about car racing all day long. So there was heaven. And I, I was really, really proud of the whole crew because everybody started coming forth asking really great questions. Because, you know, when, when you're on these big high concept movies and, you know, we, we've, as a family, we've done a lot of them, you know, we, we all did Secretariat together we became horse racing professionals. Mm -hmm. We all did the Muppets together. So we became Muppet aficionados. I mean, (laughs) you you can't help it. You're spending so much time on these movies. So now Gran Turismo is, is here. And, you know, because we wanted to start with at least a base coat of realism, and then as much as we can kick it up a notch, sometimes kick it up 20 notches, you know, but that base coat of realism had to be there. So um, like Aaron said, early on, I, I just gave this recording. Literally, I did a 25-hour car race, and I just put a little um, uh, recorder up, and, up against a walkie-talkie so you could hear our team radio. I just thought it'd be cool for my dumb YouTube videos. And so I just took that recording. I kind of consolidated it, gave it to Colby, and you know, we played it for the director, and the director's like, that's disgustingly awesome. I want to hear that everywhere. And so, so I said, oh, great. Well, we should talk about the rules of, like, what do you hear and when, dialogue-wise, just dialogue-wise. And so I was like, you know, when you're, you know, uh, when your point of view of the driver, you hear just your crew chief and then you hear these spotters who are people watching your car and telling you he's two car lengths back, he's on the inside, he's on the right, you know, whatever. And, you know, but then also as, as per the rules, drivers don't talk to each other. You know, you do that in Top Gun. All the pilots talk to each other. But this is Gran Turismo and it's, it's real. So as a rule, you know. Driver here is crew chief and spotter. So he's like, disgustingly awesome. I want to hear that constantly. And I was like, okay, cool. And then when you're in the crowd, they have PA speakers everywhere. And you've got these guys that are calling the race like, like radio DJs. You know, they're basically the TV broadcasters. So Aaron found guys that are uh, will buxton and uh who's um, the other guy? it
3: was beck williams yeah. you had will buxton you had mike chen was the, actually to go off of this mike right. chen was found by our loop group leader they did a lot of research i gave them these youtube videos because that's what they were putting into these races were a bunch of youtube videos which which had all these professional announcers she had to go through all the all those youtubes and find a connect and she found this gentleman named mike chen who's a huge he's got Great YouTube videos and such a great voice.
2: And it's very very fan-serving because if you are somebody that watches these races, these are the familiar voices that you hear. Doing the play-by-play
1: and the color and all that. So
2: as per our set of rules... You know, when you're with the audience uh, out, in, out in the crowd, you'd hear these over PA speakers, you know, constantly going. And Neil, of course, disgustingly awesome, I want to hear that constantly. You're making so Neil
1: sound like a Muppet. He
2: was loving it, though. He was having fun. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, then so now you're in the pits and, you know, our crew chief would hear the driver. He'd also hear the spotters. He'd also hear race control. So he'd hear, like, more tech talk of, like, you know, car 53 has a stop-and-go penalty for, spe- you know, you'd hear all that stuff. And you'd hear the PA. So, of course, what did Neil say?
1: That's awesome. Yeah, of
2: course he did. <laughs> and so now we're like, oh no, we've got a lot on our hands here, and this is just
1: the dialogue. Like, we and, haven't and even put the he, was, car sounds in he yet. literally <laughs> was using it to tell stories. Yes, yes. You, you know what I mean? To move the story forward without having to do exposition. It's like, hey, the Ferrari's engine just blew, and, and rather than like having some, hey, the Ferrari's engine just blew, you know, it, it's like part of you watching a race, and it's. Familiar voices that call the play-by-play and are moving the story forward. And it was awesome to do, but it's a mixed bag that we just drop on Kevin (laughs) O'Connell.
3: But but before you go on further about this, what was great about these guys, because they're professional, there was no really no script for them. So they would come in, they would watch the race... And by the way, all these announcers were in one room together, which they never, some of them had never even met in person. Huh. Two would go into the booth and then they watch the race and then we would open the mic and they would just announce the entire race. And they hit every story point that Neil loved and it was, it was just natural. It sounded natural.
1: Like we had the French guy yeah, we had that French called guy in, Fra- in French. In, in French. And you're like, oh, my God, that's exactly how it would sound. Because you know? the
3: thing is, when you're on the tracks, it's usually whoever speaks that language on, where you're at. So we had the Dubai guy. We had a French guy. We had a German guy. And then when we were on the TV side of it, it's usually a UK guy. So that's where you had the different announcers going on each race.
1: And and, and those guys are like the French guy and the Dubai guy. and. They're real race. They're, they are real announcers in yes. those territories. And everybody there in in those territories knows their voices because they're the guy.
3: Beck Williams flew in from Canada or f- something like that. She flew in to do this and then had to fly out and go to the can- Canadian race. And then I remember Mike Chen saying, well, we have to have a special mic, which was the Coles 4104. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, didn't even know. And so we ordered that mic. And so everything was very just true to what, how they announced, which was great.
0: Bo, earlier you said that you pitched the idea to the director about having everything kind of from the driver's point of view. There's a really cool thing that happens in the movie at least twice, maybe more. We see the driver's face, the main character's face, and then the plot mechanism is that he's got to focus more. And the sound changes to represent his focus. Our job is to watch the movie and present everything.
1: Like, uh, as, as, hey, all of that sound needs to live. So conceptually-wise, that stuff doesn't sometimes doesn't come early. We just cover everything. And then, you know, someone like Kobe comes in and... And has an idea. Has an idea. <laughs> <That's> an
2: idea. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a couple of moments where he really wanted to carve out. And he, um, you know, from working with him before, he really likes these in-your-head moments. And the really cool thing about having layers and layers and layers, because, you know, there's Charles Deanen's whole team came up with not just the cars, but then some layers of you know, risers and tones and whooshes and rumbles and all kinds of things. And then, you know, our sound editors, Matt Cavanaugh and Sam Fan, you know, they contributed more and more and more layers of, you know, designier, sweetener type things and and real visceral things like those tires just hitting those curbs and the tires just breaking traction just a little bit or the wind whistling around and everything like that. So we have everything to choose from. And if you literally just take all the engines and turn them off, the story can still kind of be told through whooshes and rumbles and winds and designy things and everything. Uh, it would just sound more like a sci-fi movie at that point. But what was really cool is in those point of view moments, if we started by just muting the engines and then just seeing what we're left with, it was kind of the case of um, you know removing sounds is more effective than adding sounds. And um just for the sound nerds, I just took everything that I had left over, which was um kind of the the goo goo go uh sound of uh, uh, the tire running over the rumble strip. I took that and drove it into um a slapper and then just just played only the uh, uh the output of slapper and not the source sound, and then panned it and then yeah, and then just panned it all through the Atmos speakers in the room. So it kind of did this like whip around you kind of moment. And then we, you know, we leaned on his ADR breaths real, you know, really big for just a moment. And you're, you know, the moment you're talking about is probably a second and three quarters, you know, it's not a long moment, but it's, it's a nice shift in emotion. And it goes back to a thing that, um, uh, that they talk about in the original script, but it's this like kind of flow state thing, um, one of the one of my driving coaches from years ago told me to read a book called Zen Golf and I don't play golf I don't really like golf I certainly don't watch golf but he said just read the book but replace the word golf ball with race car and it all applies and it's all about just getting into this flow state where you're you're not Quite in the present, you're almost living slightly in the future. You're thinking more about where you want to be and not where you are right now. And all this like oogly boogly stuff that totally works if you want to learn how to drive a race car. I think car. we should change and stop <laughs> talking about that. Yeah. This podcast. <laughs> um, so, so that's kind of Jan's flow state. You know, that's Jan's little moment where it's all very overwhelming. It's all very visceral. You know, it's all around him, and, but he's just got to check himself, take a breath, take a moment, reset, and get into it.
0: It's really effective. You know, if you have a 10-minute race car scene and you have the engine pinned for 10 minutes, people will start tuning out. It's too much. Yeah. So finding those moments where you can pull things out and give even, as you say, for a second and a half... The ear is a little rest.
3: Colby and Austin were really good about cutting away for us, Mm -hmm. so we could find those holes.
1: One of the things that that the film crew really afforded us was they would step out and say, you guys mix the reel and how you think it should be, and then they would come in and and the editors would get their notes in, and then Neil would come and do the last, you know, "Mm -hmm," and walk Mm -hmm. away.
2: The editors were also really receptive to um, talking to us about the little changes that we can make to kind of keep it feel a little more accurate and real. And, um, you know, it was like, uh, you know, Charles Deenan and his crew would contact me while they were editing and they were freaking out, going, You see the car slow down to make a corner, but then, you know, you cut to him and he's hitting the gas pedal. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, talk to the picture editors and they were like, Yeah, like, we just, we just need to cut to something cool. Break up the cut. Like, you tell us. You know, you want to, we, we've got them hitting the brake pedal. Well, tell us where. And they were awesome. That usually doesn't happen on movies. You know, usually you don't get to throw it back to the picture department and dictate picture changes. But on this one, it was just all about what what makes it cool, what makes it exciting, what you know, what drives the story and what makes it make sense. So they were totally fine with it <laughs> to <laughs> the point where I remember there was one moment where I had I called them and I said, uh, you hear this line from David Harbour saying uh, you want to pit next lap. And then you cut to the dashboard and there's a big P on it. And I said, you you've got to change that. And he goes, why? I said, that means park. That means the car's in park. They shot that while the car was in park. He goes, I thought it meant pits. And I said, no, no. <laughs> so,
1: it, but that was fine.
2: It was like, oh, okay, great. We'll paint it out. We'll change it. No problem. And that, that's what was
1: fun. And, and what I was getting at is as far as like giving us the time, we'd go through, mix the thing, and we'd have like ideas of like, oh, man, we're just listening to the cars just upshifting constantly. And, you know, maybe what we'll do is have them downshift here and change the tone. And and one of the great things about working with, with Kevin O'Connell is that you know, he's mixed 4,000 movies and he knows exactly what a movie should sound like. It just comes naturally to him. So as we're sitting there, you know, he would just blurt out, like, hey, we should really hit this moment and let's back off here. Let let the music do this or let's have the cars be up front and just knows the balance of, like, this ebb and flow of how a movie should sound. And he's amazing at it. And it's and it just, like I said, comes totally naturally to him. You know, Bo... Hey, racing wise, it'd be really exciting if this happened and and they would you know, the film crew would come in or the guys would come in and 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 we'd say, Hey, this, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And totally receptive. They were just like, Oh, yeah, we can work that out. Let's and usually it costs money for visual effects and whatnot, but <laughs> what do we care? We're sound people. <laughs> and it was a very collaborative thing with visual effects and all that, because all of this stuff has to work together a lot of this visual stuff really come together during the final mix. Like the crashes and stuff, we were putting sound in. They were like, like just put the sound in and we'll visualize it to that. And it's kind of weird to think that way, you know? Neil will come and goes, there's this, Thing. I want I just told them to put the engines like flipping down the road as it in that during that crash I have them spilling oil all over the track and there's water going everywhere. And we're like oh okay cool and we put it in and then the visuals will come in and it, all of that stuff is there and it and it sinks and it works wow you know there's little bits of moving things with visual effects um, we had to deal with but most of the time it was like this is what I'm visually doing letting you guys know because all we're looking at is just cartoons of cars
2: yeah there was a moment in particular that I always felt really bad for our sound editors Sam Fan and Matt Cavanaugh because uh there's a there's a moment where they do this really neat visual effect where the car almost explodes into individual parts and then you return to Jan's bedroom and then the car reforms around him that changed constantly And uh, it's a true testament to like, it would have been a great Dolby Atmos demo because for those that know what the RMU looks like, I mean, the balls are just flying around everywhere. I mean, everything was so precisely panned around and edited and they would come up with a little high frequency sound for that thing because there's a low frequency thing happening at the same time and they're constantly moving around. And then the visual effects people would like, change the speed of it by 2% and it would just break the whole thing. It's such a complicated visually looking thing that everybody's eye is kind of drawn to something different because I'm sitting more on the right side of the room. My eye would go to like center to right and then other people would go, well, where's the sound for that? Where's the sound for that? And I realized, well, they're just naturally looking at the left side of the screen and, and it was so complicated. And then we'd get it all dialed in and then you just hear this <laughs> really loud swear word come from the right side of the room and I'd look and then either Sam or Matt would have the new visual effect up on their screen. They- be see like, oh, they changed it again. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they change it? It was perfect. Yeah.
3: But Bo did a great job with that scene, I gotta say. He made yeah, it, mixed it really, really well. really, really cool. <laughs> something else
0: that is interesting for this film, there's a lot of shots of our main character driving with a helmet on, and you can not see a ton of emotion on his face mm-hmm. just because it's covered by the safety equipment. So a lot of the emotional weight falls then to what's being told to him over the comms. Mm-hmm. And those comms have to be futzed, Mm -hmm. but they also have to tell the story, Mm -hmm. and they also have to cut through a million sounds going on. Mm -hmm. How did you arrive at the comms?
3: The comms on one point would be the ADR side of things, which was not a big fan of Neil. Neil wanted to use everything from production. Nothing, he did not believe you go and you can recreate what was already created in front of him in the first place. It was a challenge to get him to get on board to re-loop some of these futs because we already had all that noise behind it, and to futz it and try to raise it and get around all their effects was a challenge. So it was Baby Steps with Neil. Do a little-
1: And also the accents.
3: Well, the accents was another thing, yeah. yeah but that was, you couldn't you couldn't come to Neil and say, hey, you need to loop half your movie. He would have been like, you know, you're fired. So you have to go. They have some lines <laughs> that they wanna add because we're in the race and you don't see their mouth. So they would change a couple of the lines. Well, the lines that they were changing or adding different dialogue really would make a difference and it was a trust level so the way Kevin would mix it in the way how we recorded it how we put it in because we would take half of the production line and take the part that would have the car engine on it or from production and put the new ADR in and Kevin would mix that and all of a sudden it sounded like the production line and Neil was like oh that's not too bad and then we would say do you mind if we do these lines okay but he would come to the ADR sessions it was just me in the picture editors. That's it. So this was my first time working doing ADR without a director involved, which is a little nerve-wracking, you know, when you bring some of these big A-list stars in, to ask them to loop without a director and listen to me. And change up, it. And ask them to change their performance a little bit. They were all very respectful. And at by the end of the movie, because the studio had come in and said, the accents are a little thick, do you mind if we loop and bring down the accent a little bit? Neil said, I... I trust Aaron, we'll go ahead and do that. So we ended up relooping the whole beginning of the movie.
1: And it was, I kid you not, it was a non-starter. It was like the moment you would go, hey, we should loop this guy's line, nope.
3: He would ask for the <laughs> cue sheets, he would ask to see what was on the cue sheets, and of course I'd show him it was just what he had asked for, and, of course, I wanted to sneak some lines on there, but I knew <laughs> I couldn't do that. And I had some people behind me telling me, hey, just put a couple on there, Aaron. And I was, no, 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 it's okay. Let's just, just trust me. We'll, we'll get the lines. We have a long time to go with them. Let's just baby step them into this. And that's what we did. And I got to tell you, I think he might be more of a fan for ADR. I still think he'll resist, but I think he'll be more... Open in, to it.
1: In storytelling and, yeah. and clarity and stuff. And he could
3: tell the clarity. He was like, wow, I can really understand a lot of these lines now. And in Jan, I understand where he's at. And it was just a really great experience for all of us to see a director so against it and see how far he yeah, came. Yeah, that bedroom
1: scene where he's talking to his buddy, um, Persol.
3: Persol, that was all redone.
1: And what's funny is when for months... We're like, I don't know what he's saying. Yeah. I have no idea. (laughs) Hey, Neil, do you know what he's saying? Nope. Nope. But uh, but I love it. it. I love this. I love this. And then when
3: we got the note that it was no one could understand it, that's when we were able to open up and say, Neil, are you down with maybe bringing this back to where an audience can understand him? And he said, just try it. See what happens. And he ended up really liking it a lot.
0: That's quite a feather in your cap to uh, change the tide like that. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> in the show, the film, instead of cutaways to like other cars, a lot of times the cutaways are to inside the engine. Yes. And it's not for very long, but like I can just imagine when those arrived, you guys being super excited because those are cool shots that you haven't really seen before, so you can make them sound kind of whatever you want to. Do you want to talk about your favorite way of tackling those? Me and Bo had a lot of fun with that stuff you know Dean and his crew had a great
1: time you know Neil's a commercial director too so there's a lot of visual things that he's into and uh, you know first time seeing the movie you're like oh, oh my god this is awesome we get to do we get to play whatever we want these are sound sound design moments so some of it came with ideas of like how, what they wanted it to sound like you know the the engines and all that we just made it more detailed for it to work within you know a theatrical sense and all that both of us, like, know what cars sound like and what th- weird things happen in cars. And, you know, in all the recordings that Charles and those guys had gotten, there was all these, like, little moments that, you know, the little nuggets of sound. Pop off valve is my, my thing. And it goes, boop, 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 you know. <laughs> you know, we put that in because the sound works for like slowing down so when he slams on the brake that's not the sound that comes from the brake rotor and all that but we put this because it works tonally it works in that spot and Dean hates it he literally <laughs> after the screening of the movie we finish and he goes why did you put that stupid sound in, in, on the brake it doesn't even belong there it was like yeah but Totally, it just fucking worked. We love how that sounds.
2: Yeah, my race car friends at the track just like tell Neil, like, you know, they finally made a race car movie for racers. You know, the people, the racing community really likes the movie, you know, but they can't help themselves. And they go, but why did I hear a turbo wastegate on that car? That car doesn't have turbo. Because it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's
1: cool. It's It's (laughs) fun. We get those little breaks. It's funny. We did the, we sort of a half premiere because they didn't have a premiere for this thing. They did a screening where they invited, the crew and the guy, the, the real uh, Jan... The, one of the producers, Doug Belgrad, introduces me to this English guy, and he's actually a driver for Ferrari. And he goes, what did you do? And I go, I-, I did the sound for the movie, and he goes, oh my god, I have to tell you, I've been, like, asking everybody, like, who was the sound people, because this is the first time as a race car driver, I'm watching a movie going, this sounds exactly like how I envision it to sound in my head. And he, kudos to you guys. And then he went off on the pop-up bow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> our good. Easter egg for the real car people to pick
0: up. <laughs> that's pick, not, pick that's out. not what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, yeah, that was awesome.
0: Well, thank you very much for yeah. talking today. Uh, it's a super fun film for sound. I can't imagine the fun you had. Well, I, I understand it was a lot of work, too. I'm not trying to make it no, sound like you. It was, like it you. was, it was no, more non-stop fun. non fun, but uh, it would have been an amazing challenge, and you rose to it and uh, really exceeded it. It was an amazing film to hear, for sure. I want to throw a big thanks to the fine folks at 424 for hosting this talk and Linda Rosner for helping set it up. Gran Turismo, Based on a True Story, is now available on digital and will be available on 4K and DVD November 7th. Once again, thanks to Aaron, Kami, and Beau for sharing their knowledge and experiences. My name's Tim Muirhead. We'll talk to you again soon on Tonebenders Podcast. Thank you for having us, Peter.
1: Thanks
2: so much. It was a pleasure.
0: Tone Tonebenders is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Moro. Theme music is by Mark Strait send your emails to info at tonebenderspodcast.com follow us on twitter via at the tonebenders and join tonebenders podcast on facebook support this podcast you can use our links when you shop with amazon or bnh or leave us a tip just go to tonebenderspodcast.com and click the support button thanks for listening are you looking for more audio related podcasts to listen to tonebenders is part of the audio podcast alliance featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.